Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. Great to be with you this morning, church. Uh, it's always a pleasure to, to open God's Word and to discuss uh, the wisdom and uh, the magnificence of, of our Lord and, 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 what, and what He's done for us and wants to do through us. And uh, this morning, I, I just wanted to highlight uh, how much the Bible talks about food. And this week, we've been, we're, we're now allowed to go to the restaurant. Uh, I, I had the privilege of my first restaurant meal with uh, our, one of our great leaders in the church, Josiah Leake, and, uh, and we, had a, we had a great time down at Zachary's Pizza the other day, which was good. Uh, but there is a lot of talk in the Bible about food, what you can eat, what you can't eat. Uh, if you're an if you're a, uh, Old Testament Jew, no uh, prawns on Christmas Day, very sorry. It says things like, you may eat any animal that has a split hoof, completely divided, and that chews the cud. And amazing. And there are some that only chew the cud or only have a split hoof. And of these, uh, you must not eat. The camel... Unfortunately, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof, so uh, this is ceremonially unclean for you. So uh, no camels for, for, for them, unfortunately. I don't know whether that meant you could have a, a, a camel's milk latte or not, but uh, anyway. Today, though, I'd like to discuss not the food that the Bible talks about, but the dining um, that, that's discussed and the examples that we find in Scripture. But before we do that, uh, let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and as we open your word, we acknowledge that truth resides and belongs to you. And this morning, we seek your truth. We ask that you would bring a fresh illumination of wisdom to each of us as we consider uh, some of these amazing um, aspects of your word. And uh, we just ask, Lord, that 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 my words would fall to the floor and that, that the revelation of heaven would pierce our hearts and um, free us to live a life of worship to you. So I thank you for every person, wherever they are on this great day. I ask that your blessing be upon their household as they serve you. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So this morning, I want to encourage you to consider the simple action of sharing a meal with a person or another family. What does it mean to you and why was it so central in the time of Jesus and early Israel? The time of early or ancient Israel, to share your table with another person or another family or another group was making a social statement about yourself and the others who were present. And uh, there was a real theme of separation and we saw it in the Gospels and the, the Pharisees were constantly uh, confused by Jesus' association and eating with, with the unclean of their society. Or, you know, he, he even shared with meals with tax collectors and, and, uh, and the sinners of society. Jesus understood what it meant socially to sit down and eat a meal with someone. So when he sat down, when Jesus sat down, he wasn't just, he wasn't sitting down with someone clean or unclean. He chose to eat with someone that was part of the underclass, the underclass. When he did that, he was crossing a social boundary in order to meet a spiritual need. 
He wasn't just doing it randomly or to, to upset the Pharisee. He was doing it to meet a spiritual need. And sometimes, you know, we need to, we need to learn from these great examples. And other examples, the Apostle Paul challenged us to, uh, in two, or he challenged the Corinthian church not to eat a meal with someone that calls themselves a brother or a believer, yet it's living an immoral life. Another, another eating thing. Supposedly, the Pharisees uh, back in the day had over 200 laws or, or rules around uh, eating and dining. And uh, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing amount of structure around the simple act of a meal. So it's obviously a significant thing that we need to, to grasp. And, and I think sometimes we've looked a lot at, the, at the, the different types of food that the Bible talks about. But this morning, I'd love us to consider uh, the actual dining experience. Because biblically, dinner is not about food. It is a statement of relational intent. When Jesus said to Zacchaeus that he wanted to share a meal, he was speaking, he was speaking to the redemptive potential that he was about to bring into Zacchaeus' home. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and a sinner, and uh, it was completely offensive to the Jewish community that Jesus would go and have dinner with him. But Jesus crossed the line. He crossed the social line and stepped into the unclean to offer the redemptive story that only he can bring. But God's uh, table fellowship didn't, bring, didn't begin there. So this morning, I want to look at uh, four examples of dinner in God's Word and see if we can gain some wisdom for today. The first, the first one is, uh, is the table of Abraham. So why don't we turn to Genesis chapter 18, starting at verse 1. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. And he bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be bought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. And after that, you may pass by as much in as much as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into his tent and said to Sarah, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, and gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf, which he had prepared, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Just a note. Uh, here that there, there are three men that approach Abraham, yet Abraham refers to them in the singular. He says, Lord, in the singular. And, and you know, this is, this is sometimes referred to the first indication uh, of, the, of the Trinity, the Trinity of the Godhead, where, where Abraham saw the three but acknowledged them as one, uh, like we do the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, there was a a Russian artist uh, named Andrei Rublev, I think it was, who, who, who's, who painted a famous uh, piece of art called the Trinity based exactly uh, on, the, on the depicting of this meal. But when we, dis- when we discover God, uh, it's, it's important that we learn from Abraham that we engage with him. 
We don't, we don't just, uh, it's not just enough to see the Lord. We must begin to build a relationship with Him. So Abraham's response when he sees God is to go and prepare a table for the Lord. Question for you this morning is, have you invited God to your table? We sit down at our table each night with our two little girls and, and they both have to pray every night. And Sienna, Sienna starts her prayer and she, she, she says, Dear Lord, and then she mumbles and mumbles and says, uh, uh, Barbie, uh, Emily Playground, uh, in Jesus' name, Amen. And then Arabella's turn to pray and she asks God to help her obey to her parents. She says, I hope, God, that you're having fun in heaven. And, uh, and then ask God to bless the food to us so that we can be a blessing. And it's, a, it's just a beautiful introduction to the main social event of our family, which is around the dinner table. And, and it reminds me to ask the question that it, of myself and of you, uh, is God central to your social connections, to your relational connections? Another great piece of wisdom we see from Abraham is this, is, is that, he offered the Lord very little. He offered him water and a morsel of bread. And then he went and prepared his absolute best. He killed his best calf. He got his wife to make um, beautiful cakes and they had milk and all those sorts of things. Abraham knew that his very best compared to the Almighty God uh, was nothing was like a was like bread and water and it's important that it's important that we give God our best but something we can learn from Abraham is that as we give God our best in true humility let's acknowledge that in the presence of God our best or as the bible also says our righteousness is as filthy rags and there's such a great statement of humility that we see from Abraham in that story. And the last point on this one that I'd like to bring, there's so much in there. I, I encourage you to just contemplate this amazing story. But the last point I'll bring to you on this, on this meal is that Abraham does not assume to dine with the Lord. He knows he's not worthy to dine with the Lord. And amazingly, God doesn't even invite him. The Lord doesn't invite him to, to join them either. It's simply an act of worship. Let's remember that the beginning of a relationship with the Lord is, is giving your all to Him as an offering of worship without expectation, just acknowledging and adoring the King of all kings. The next table is, is one that God prepares for His servant, uh, David. We read it in Psalm 23. What's, what's one of the most magnificent and famous of all Psalms? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here it is, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
The Lord prepares a table for his servant David in the presence of his enemies. You know, God's response, when the Lord receives humanity, when he sees us vulnerable to evil or to sin, what does he do? He does not go and and destroy the evil or the sin. He prepares a table for us. Why? What is the wisdom there? What's the wisdom in the Lord preparing a table in the presence of our enemies when the enemies are still swirling, they're, they're, they're still swirling around us? See, the human, the human nature says, if there's an enemy, we need to defeat the enemy. We need to defeat sin. We need to defeat evil. But we're reminded in this most famous of Psalms that the answer to evil, the answer to our enemies, the answer to self, the answer to sin is simply being in communion with God. We learnt humility at Abraham's table. We learnt the value of our righteousness compared to the righteousness that we have in Christ. And we learn at David's table that in communion with God at his table, or let me say, in his will, that's where confidence resides. That's where peace resides. That's where enemies can be swirling around you. Sin can be a problem around you. But in the presence of the Lord, in communion with the Lord, in the will of God, we are at liberty, we are at peace, and we walk in confidence. Amazing. Then the next table is the table of Jesus. Luke 22, verse 14, we read this. When the hour had come, he sat down. That's Jesus. He sat down with the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then the famous communion, which we'll we'll celebrate a little bit later in, in, in the meeting. He took the bread, gave thanks and broke it. Gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after, say, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. This is a very important table for us. So important that the majority of the church world models their services around this table, around this moment. But there's two aspects. There's two aspects. He talks about, talks about the, the food and the wine two times in this passage. And I want to suggest to you this morning that, that there's two aspects. And the first one is a, human ele- is a human element. And the second one is a divine element. The human aspect before the communion part is we see that Jesus absolutely loved his disciples. And in his last meal, before the cross, in his last meal, with fervent desire, he wanted to have it with his disciples. Amazing to see Jesus' humanity reflected in his love for those people he'd spent the last three years with. Then he took the cup and and he said, share it among yourselves. You know, he was highlighting that that they're going to need each other after he left. They were going to need to lean on each other. 
is reminding them in, in, at the dining table of that great scripture that it says in Hebrews about let's not forsake the gathering of the saints. We're going to need to share things among ourselves. We're going to need to share the hope among ourselves. We're going to need to share the, and remind each other of the great covenant that is coming. And then he moves on to the divine aspect that we do each week here. And he details the joy that is set before him on the other side of the cross. He details the sacrifice of his body. He details the covenant that is going to come from his shed blood. And he blesses them. And he reminds them, this is the joy. This is why I'm prepared to go through the agony of the cross, because of this joy, because of this covenant that I will have with you. And interestingly, we, we, we saw in the story of Abraham that when the Lord came to Abraham's table, Abraham washed his feet, the Lord's feet. And then at the Lord's table, the Lord washed his disciples' feet. Let me just suggest to you today that the owner of the table or the preparer of the table through serving his or her guests, shows humility and shows their relational or social intent, shows the, the purpose of them being present. Amazing wisdom, isn't there, in these, in these great stories around the dining table. And finally, this morning, let's look at the table of the church. We read in Acts 2, verse 41, those who gladly received the word were baptized. That day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. And here it is, verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We see here the establishment of the church. And the early church was, it was established exactly in the unity of Christ. They were humbled by the cross. They were cut to the heart, it says previously. And they, and they repented and received Christ as their Savior. Then they took that challenge of distributing amongst themselves that Jesus had shared with his disciples at the Lord's Supper. And they broke the bread from house to house, eating with gladness and simplicity of heart. True community of the church, it's not built around the church service, it's built around the dining table. It's built around the fellowship of the saints. It's built around the gathering. That's why the, the, um, the cry of isolation is, so, is such a battle for, for our world right now. 
because hope is found in relationship. And we get an element of hope with each other. But our eternal hope is found in that relationship with Him. That's why when we do come around a table, when we do come around these places, it's important that there's a human element and there's a divine element that, they, that we would have together at that time. See, the essence of the table, church, is less to do with food and more to do with the relational statement, the relational intent that it is making to the guest. So I ask you today, as you read the Bible this year, consider the table fellowship and the wisdom that we can draw from it. Consider Abraham, consider David, Jesus, the early church. Look at Zacchaeus, look at the Corinthians. Look at all those amazing examples of dining. Even in Ezekiel, as a, you know, the, the prophet is, is challenged to, to eat the scroll, to even eat the word of God. You know, there's so much... There's so much challenge around this, this thing that is central. I don't know about you, but when Kristen and I go on holidays, our holiday revolves uh, around what we're going to eat and where we're going to eat next. And, you know, it, it's, it's, the, it's the platform of society. You know, for some reason when God created humanity, He created us to need uh, multiple meals each day. And in that, we, we understand that there's a sustenance, a physical sustenance in meals. So why don't we just eat alone? Because God's saying there's also a relational sustenance that comes at the same place. I believe that the Lord wants to remind us this morning. He wants to remind us as we, as we begin to uh, entertain each other once again, as we begin to be hospitable once again to each other. He wants to invite us into the richness of, of communion with God and with each other. Let's pray. Father, we honor you for your word. We honor you for your grace and for your example. We thank you, Lord, that, that those amazing lessons we've learned from your servant Abraham. Abraham. We thank you for that beautiful picture of, of Psalm 23, of the table in the presence of, of our enemies, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the, that Last Supper where Jesus modeled humility and hope, where he, he, he prophesied and he, and he established such greatness within us. And we thank you for the example of the early church, Lord. We thank you for this gladness and simplicity of heart. We ask, Lord, that, that we would be reminded of where gladness resides. And, Lord, help us to think simply with a simplicity of heart around where our hope lives and around the beauty of the gathering around a meal. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So in this contemplation, let's now go back to the table of Jesus and all those who love and follow him. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. We take this moment, church, and we examine ourselves in order that God may reveal those areas of our lives that he requires us to surrender to the redemption of his cross.
Loving God, by the blessing of your provision, we hold this bread and this cup, which has come first from your creation and then from human hands. May we know your presence in their sharing. With them, we celebrate the life that Jesus shared with his followers throughout the centuries and shares with us now. We thank you that we are made one in Christ alone and with each other. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it. He said this, take, eat, this is my body, just broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Great is the mystery of our faith. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen. Jesus will come again. We are brothers and sisters through his blood. We have died together. We will rise together. And we will live together. Amen. Great to see you, church. Hope you have an amazing week. And uh, we look to... Look forward to catching up with you in person very soon. Uh, every blessing be upon you and your household. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.